0: Today, we're bringing you an episode of Tech Titans, and this one is a throwback all the way from 2020. Sri, the CTO of PayPal, joins us in this episode to share his best advice on transforming failures into growth and developing confidence. You're listening to Joel Beasley, Tech Titans. When you were a kid, did you think you would grow up to be a CTO, or did you just know that you love technology? No, Joel. um, I often tell people that I'm here by accident. And what I'll also say to you is I'm here because of failures. And while that may feel surprising, let me walk you through it. Uh, My intent as a teenager was to become a pilot in the Indian Air Force. And I made a few attempts at it. And uh, it, it was a great process to go through. It made me a better individual. But I I I tried about 3 times at the at the end of the third one uh, my dad told me like look you've tried 3 times like mean how long is this going to go on and he convinced me to go take the engineering entrance exam at that point in time and by the way this was 1 year after all my buddies were already in college I I, I took a break of 1 year trying to pursue that and I Wrote my engineering entrance uh, exam and got into engineering school. And at the end of the first year of engineering, I was given the option of either buying a motorcycle or a computer. And uh, keep in mind, this is the early 90s. It was 1992, if I remember right. And uh, buying a computer and having a computer at home was like, no, no one ever thought of that. And this was a PC with a 320 kilobyte floppy drive that I got. With a, with a CGA monitor, not a VGA monitor, but a CGA monitor. In fact, you put your boot disk in, got the computer up and running, put the programming disk in, you program. And if you messed around with memory and it, the whole thing came crashing, lose all your work, start all over again. Right? But you know, what it teaches you is, you know, you, you train hard so you can fight easy. Yes. Right? Uh, those experiences were formative for me, and I l- fell in love with computing. And uh, as I continued to program and learn new programming languages, I would also open up the desktop and look internally and pull out cards and put them back in. And uh, within about a year of owning the computer, I was assembling and selling computers to other people who wanted computers and didn't want to pay retail. So that's how I got into computing. And um, that doesn't mean that set me up for a CTO. I've, I've had... Uh, various other things. And this is where it's easy for someone to think of a career as just a single path upward. It's not. I know. Yes. Yeah, there's places where you move upward, sideward, downward. And I've had all of those transitions uh, in, the, uh, in the two, a little over two decades so far. And when people ask me, like, hey, would you change anything about what you went through? I go, nothing, nothing. Everything that happened, good and not so good, is actually all good when you look at it in retrospect. And uh, I'm thankful for the opportunities. I'm thankful for the successes. I'm thankful for the failures. I'm thankful for the learnings uh, because I think um, and and that's a journey still. Learning every day is what I get excited about. That's what makes me spring out of bed to get to work. Is because there's going to be some new learning. Every single day. And that's what I. Learned. How did you get involved with uh, developing yourself? You know, um, like I was not always ambitious uh, in in terms of growth, and I think there were uh, certain failures I had both in my career and my in my in my life that caused uh, call it that propulsion to occur. But if if I were to package that whole thing into one cohesive uh, narrative, I would say that what I've noticed is four phases of leadership. And um, allow me to take the long path to answering your question. Please, yeah. Um, The first phase is a phase of effectiveness. This is where your skill, uh, you're building skill a lot, you're figuring out ways of working with each other and on a team and so on. This is about outputs and finishing projects and and managing, well, if you're managing people at that time and, and so on. And that quadrant is the first quadrant of leadership, and I call that the quadrant of effectiveness. You have to be an effective manager as you start growing. Now, what happens with effective managers is people notice that they're delivering and the ecosystem whether it is the world as a whole or the company, starts to give them more opportunities. And now these folks find themselves, all of us, in a place where we need to scale, right? Effectiveness got you opportunity. Now, opportunity makes you scale. Now, what is scale? Scale is just like in technology. If PayPal received only a million payments, we'd be of a certain scale. When we receive 50 million payments a day, that's a different scale. Now, can you run 50 million payments with the same infrastructure that you ran 1 million with? No. So how about you as a person? You as a person, can you actually scale to the new opportunity with the same capabilities that you had with the previous one? No. And this is the that whole concept that's uh, made very popular by the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Right? And so it becomes a continuous learning journey in how do you get better. In, and in that quadrant of scalability, you're thinking about, okay, how do you manage uh, crises and conflict? And uh, how do you manage change? Uh, how do you lead through other leaders? And how do you put design patterns in place that allows you to be effective at a larger scale? That is what scalability, is, that second quadrant. Now, keep in mind, I already talked about a fair amount of learning that you have to go through. because. If you're not learning continuously, you're not ready for the new game that you're in each day. The third phase is actually, in my mind, the most important phase and is relevant to the points that you brought up. And this, unlike the previous, the previous ones are all about demonstrating to the world what you can do. The third phase is where you have scaled enough and you have more opportunities to come where you start to doubt yourself a little bit. You're saying like, really, am I... Am I capable of doing this? Can I, will I learn? Like, Why are these people being so critical about some of the choices I'm making? And the journey turns inward. Now, suddenly you go from demonstrating to everybody else what you're capable of to creating a little bit of confidence for yourself to say you're capable of more. This is happening for a reason. It's a moment. It's, it's actually a window of time and reflection. And I often talk about, you know, in the first two quadrants and continuing, it there are leadership is a lot about what you do. But in this phase, you start to realize leadership is a lot about what you become. And that's where mindfulness kicks in. How do you manage time? How do you delegate even better? Like how do you manage the stresses of every day? Like how do you deal with the expectations people have of you? How do you deliver to people who are expecting you to be more than you really are? And that starts to change you internally. First of all, your identity moves inside because you become your own self-critic in a, in a hard way. You're harsh with yourself. I, I know. I had a talk with myself the other day about being too hard with myself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and that's a balance too, right? You, I mean, you shouldn't overdo anything, including being critical of yourself. If you, if you get past all of these things, so effectiveness, capability, resilience, now you get to be a transformational leader where you're inspiring. You have a followership of people long beyond you holding a title or a role at a company and so on. Even after you're done, people still reach out to you for advice and help and so on. And that journey, look, I am no master in this journey, but it's that journey that excites me. Not every day is going to be great, in fact, now what happens is that the moment you hit a tough spot, you don't get scared and anxious. You get excited because you know on the other side there'll be a better you and a better leader for your people. So I know that was a long winded no, I feel like we're best friends you know i I've always. Known about myself that I'm very slow with confidence, but once I have it, it's cement like it's there. It takes me so long to get it, especially with, like with engineering. I mean, I, I wrote code every day of my life like 17 years. I mean, it took me 10 years to get like confident with it. But once I got it, I got it. And uh, you know, going through those growth stages is—I don't know—it's—it's it's so interesting. That's beautiful. Look, I think uh, I—you're I, right. It feels like we've known each other for a long time, even though. I think we only started talking about like 40 minutes ago or something like that. Yeah. The, the reason is I've always struggled with confidence. Always. And I would say I still continue to in many cases. And at the same time, what I've discovered is confidence is actually a cumulative trait. And it comes from giving yourself permission to fail and therefore take risks. So if you give permission to yourself to fail, then you start to take one risk. And in, in most cases, it works because what you're going to do, given being given yourself critical, is you'll bring the best. You, you, will, you will be buttoned up, and you will overdo what is needed to succeed. Now, you took that risk, you succeeded. Your confidence is a little higher, and now you take a little bigger risk. And and a little bit, little bit. By the way, you'll hit a point where you'll have a failure. But now you're on the sixth step of the ladder, coming down to the fifth step. You're not dropping down to the bottom, and you will remember memories of each one of the four steps where you made the move up, and that gives you the confidence to get back up again. In fact, I talk about four ingredients for success. Uh, One is IQ. One is EQ. The third one is CQ, and the fourth one is grit. What's the CQ? You want to take a guess? Curiosity quotient? There you go. That's it. Oh, nice. Yeah. So emotional quotient is the biggest portion, um, and that's important to know. And emotional quotient is actually more uh, discovery of yourself than discovery of others. But curiosity is what continues to give you momentum and energy knowing more and more and more about technology, about people, about business, about world, and so on. Two points I want to make that was triggered by, inspired by what you said, which which I remember from, from before is, I used to think that the potential is a fixed line and your performance moves up to meet potential. I have come to realize over the last five years that potential is changeable. And each time you reach that limit, your horizon is bigger. Your ability to visualize is bigger. Your realm of opportunity is bigger. And you sometimes discover you have potential is a discovery journey. It's not a when I was three years old, there was this potential and that's it. right? So potential is also a changing thing. Second is uh John Rainey, who is our CFO and, and a great colleague of mine. You know, in one of my first conversations with him, this was probably in 2015 or early 2016, he talked about this concept of legitimacy values and legacy values or eulogy values. And there's some time in life where it shifts. You you go from, uh, I want the success, I want this compensation, I want this fame, to you shift and go, I want to make a difference in the world. And that is a never-ending goal. <laughs> right? So, um, like I said, I mean, this conversation is is fun because there is so much mirroring that is going on in the things that you're saying and, and the fact that I, I think of it the same way. So this is great. Thank you.